going back to you know why is technical analysis powerful in a way i think it's because it provides a framework within which to control one's emotions and to discipline one's trading it provides a way to sift out the noise um, and force yourself to be much more objective and aligned with the key objective which is it's not about being right it's about making money with your positions because fundamentally that's the only thing that gets measured Welcome to the Alphamind Podcast with me, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host, Mark Randall. Today, we are delighted to have with us Adam Sorrow. Adam has a long history in the financial markets industry and is someone I have known a long time. He's also one of the most informed and interesting people you will come across in the trading and investment world. Adam has held trading, investing and analyst roles at some of the world's leading investment banks, asset management firms and global hedge funds. I first met Adam many years ago when we were both traders early in our careers at the investment bank Credit Suisse. Today, Adam is a partner at Aptior Capital, a distressed debt hedge fund based here in the UK. Prior to that, and for over a decade, he was head of technical research and product specialist sales at the hedge fund giant CQS, where he produced technical analysis-based investment research and strategy for the traders and portfolio managers. Adam holds an honours degree in economics from the London School of Economics and has also been heavily involved with our sponsorship partner, the Society of Technical Analysts, ESTA, he was formerly their chairman and remains a member of their investment committee. Also, prior to that, he was president of the International Federation of Technical Analysts, IFTA, the global body which the STA is itself a constituent member of. Adam brings a wealth of experience and insight that we are delighted and honoured to be able to share with our podcast audience. And we are certain you will find his thoughts and perspectives informative, insightful, and may challenge some of your own long-held beliefs about aspects of trading and investing. Before we start, a few words about our sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA, and their brilliant technical analysis home study course. The home study course is an online version of the full programme, which is taught at the London School of Economics. If you are keen to develop your technical analysis skills and take your knowledge and understanding of them to the very highest level, then this is the programme you should be considering. As one of the lecturers on the full programme, I am fully aware of the high quality of the home study course, which has been written in partnership with many leading figures from the world of technical analysis. And since the STA is a not-for-profit body with a history going back over 50 years, you can be certain and their only agenda is your education, development and growth. We are delighted to announce that the STA are offering a discount on the full cost of the home study course and the home study course and diploma program to listeners of the Alpha Mind podcast. To find out more about the home study course and how to get the exclusive Alpha Mind discount, visit the Alpha Mind blog page where you will find a link to the home study course at the top of the page. Go to alphamindblog.blogspot.com or just Google Alpha Mind blog. Now, on with this week's podcast. Welcome to this week's Alpha Mind podcast. And we're delighted to have uh, Adam Sorab with us. Adam's been working in financial markets since uh, 84. He's a fellow of the STA. He was chairman of the STA, the Society of Technical Analysts, from 1998 to 2008. And if that wasn't enough, he went on to become president of the International Federation of Technical Analysts from 2010 to 2013. Uh, he spent 13 years as head of technical research at CQS, producing technical analysis-based investment research and strategy for the uh, CQS suite of traders, and as well as representing portfolio management team uh, at investor meetings as well for that firm. Adam is now a partner and head of investor relations at Aptior Capital, and uh, has advised also for people like the Buper Pension Fund uh, Investment Committee. And... Uh, very much looking forward to this discussion with Adam today. Huge amount of experience, lots of overlap with some of the work that Steve and I have done, of course, with the Society of Technical Analysts in the background too. Um, I think it's we're here to really talk about the, the trader journey. And so, Adam, welcome to the show, and perhaps tell me what I've missed in that introduction. No, no, thank you very much for the very kind introduction, and um, I'm very honoured, frankly, to be invited on your show. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, um, I have to say, I, I got into technical analysis uh, as a trader simply because I, I had a degree in economics from the London School of Economics. I was 
uh, given like a lot of young men and women given a seat in a dealing room relatively early on in my career and was basically told to go and make money out of foreign exchange markets. Um, and after about six to eight months of losing money fairly consistently, I realized that perhaps a degree in economics wasn't enough <laughs> to understand that market. And I was very fortunate that um, the chief dealer I was working for at the time, a gentleman by the name of Glenn Bradney, who I will be forever uh, indebted to, not only a, a wonderful man and a wonderful trader, but also um, a very uh, keen and capable technical analyst. And he, he encouraged me to start looking at point of figure charts to see whether I could glean more insight from the price action than, than perhaps uh, the fundamentals that I thought were driving it. And um, as we all know, with so many people who, who start using technical analysis, particularly in liquid markets like foreign exchange, it's a very powerful tool. Um, and it is, and I found it um, resonated very well with the way I like to think about things. And, um, and to this day, I've, I, I, I use technical analysis in, in all of my investing, certainly on a, uh, when I'm investing in a, in a liquid private, uh, public market. So no, it's been, uh, it's been amazing, uh, both at a professional level, but also Frankly, it led me in down other avenues which I never anticipated, such as working with the STA and EFTA and, and, and the Booker Pension Fund and so on. Um, and, I've, and I've loved it. And it's been fascinating. I've met some fabulous people and, and learned, and I'm still learning, frankly, um, a lot every day about financial markets. Interesting. I think the, the whole concept of starting off feeling the tape, as it were, through what was no doubt manual point and figure chart creation as well back in, uh, back in the early 80s. Oh, very much so. In those days, it was all done on paper. I can remember when the first electronic systems came out, we were all just gobsmacked that you could do so much uh, with the computer that we were all trying to do manually. Mm, but by by God, it gave you a feel, didn't it? You, you, you felt yeah. as though you were really close to the market when you did, when you had to commit to that amount of just noticing the moves to be able to create those charts. I do think it's an interesting point you make. I mean, I often think when I look now at the kind of you know systems that we have, and I go and look at certain people's setups and, you know, you, you find people looking at, you know, a great many indicators and multiple markets all in real time across multiple time frames, et cetera. And it's all, it is, yeah, maybe it's almost too much information. I can remember uh, in the 80s literally spending Saturdays updating weekly bar charts in my, in my cellar <laughs> uh, for the currencies that I traded. Uh, and having that moment away from the, the market where one perhaps reflected uh, a little bit more quietly and uh, thoughtfully. On actually what the what the price action was telling you was 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 incredibly powerful, surprisingly powerful. Um, I understand why people want to use and, and are attracted to um, to the rapidity and the processing power of computers. But to your point, sometimes the actual physical act of maintaining manual charts is uh, is just as useful and as powerful as as anything that uh, a supercomputer can give you. What a fantastic introduction to this topic, this discussion. It's amazing where you two have gone straight away. Um, you know, we're here to talk about the, the trader's learning journey. Mm. And we also want to sort of introduce the STA a little bit to our audience. They've heard our, us mention them nearly every week for the last year plus in our podcasts. Um, but they probably don't understand too much about them. They are, uh, and IFTA as well, the Society of Technical Analysis. Mm. and the International Federation of Technical Analysis, who's the larger body. And the, these are not-for-profit organisations that do some fantastic work in a world that is so, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but capitalist, where everyone is trying to make a buck off someone. This is an organisation that isn't trying to make a buck off anyone. It's, it's there to do something for its members and the field, the wider field, which is, you know, teach high-quality technical analysis, produced high quality research and discussion um, forums about technical analysis and and just broaden the discovery you know and, and, and it has become a huge field now technical analysis it's it's reached a level now where it's no longer seen it was once seen as a little bit I don't know outside the norm of economics or, or rational analysis but people are understanding what underlies it now and why it works and why it's uh, such a great tool and as i say the society of technical analysts i've been a member of them for over 20 years um and, and you know i've got so much out of them from attending monthly meetings um getting their newsletters over the years mixing and learning you know creating 
mixing with people from them at their events and making new connections. Um, so a great body, and I know you're here to talk about them, but you've, you've raised something so important at the start. <laughs> Point of figure charting is something probably very few people use anymore and very few people get. Um, and yet it's such a powerful way of doing it. It's a different way of doing it. It hasn't transferred itself in a particularly strong way to the uh, the computerized field of technical analysis. But wherever I worked, I worked with traders who used to do manual technical analysis, even in the modern day. They would have a, a, a sheet of graph paper in front of them and they would plot their analysis. And sometimes they would put it on walls. It almost became the wallpaper in some of the offices I worked at. And doing that manually by hand is such an incredible, incredibly different way because you actually feel the market as you're doing it. And I know this is one of the things that the STA diploma and the STA home study course tries to sort of integrate some of this learning into, into what it does about technical analysis. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think to your point, because I think, I think you have to almost, I mean, I think what's interesting about the SDA is it was created to fill a need. Um, if you think about its its origins, originally you're talking you're talking you're going back fifty years, right? When the when the original group, the ACTA, was created in in the UK in nineteen late nineteen sixties, and in those days you had stockbrokers based in London, people like Richard Lake, Alec Ellinger, Teddy Clark, you know, who were sort of frankly seeing. Uh, technical analysis, reading technical analysis books that have been published in, the, in America and bring them over to London and sort of talking about these ideas in the London stock market. At a time, um, you know, you think technical analysis is, is slightly frowned upon by academia today. Um, in those days, it was considered almost voodoo witchcraft amongst the kind of the, the fundamental bottom-up stock picking uh, uh, brokerage community. And so, um, uh, this was this was a, a you know a group of people who found an, a, a technique and a technology which uh, frankly they thought they were importing from America. In fact, if you actually look at the history, they were probably importing it originally from from Japan. But I but nonetheless, th this was a discipline that, that hardly anybody knew about. And what was needed was an understanding. What was needed was to to share these ideas and to to circulate them and to discuss them. And so. Acta originally was created as as a, as a as an opportunity for people who liked and were interested in this field to get together, where they would literally meet uh, monthly and and typically at the pub or go to the pub afterwards and and share notes and so on and so forth and, sh and share these new ideas that they were they were learning about in the field of technical analysis, and that in itself sort of took a life of its own uh, took a life of its own. It became very popular and, and so on, but it was really much more of a kind of a a friendly society in those in those early days it wasn't until sort of big bang in the late 80s when people like philip gray and ellie gifford and bronwyn wood and, and ann whitby and, and and pat morris and so on and so forth actually went out and said look we need to change this into a proper professional organization they created the society of technical analysts with a proper board of directors as to your point as a non-for-profit uh, educational organization uh, which would support its members who wanted to learn about technical analysis and, and exchange ideas. And that's really what started the STA in the first place. And it's just really grown since then, in part because the markets have grown, in part because technical analysis as a field has become vastly more accepted. Um, and I think also in part due to the hard work of the volunteer boards over the years, of I which were only one member, um, you know, many, many people have put in an awful lot of time to try and make the STA effective. And it's no surprise now that it's it's one of the most highly regarded uh, organisations globally. In terms of its usefulness, it's more than just, you know, I think a lot of people, and I, I'm now talking to the many, many new traders who have joined the markets in recent years. Mm. I think a lot of them try and use it without really understanding it. You can decide today I'm going to become a trader. Tomorrow I'm going to open an account. I'm going to put X amount of dollars in there. They'll give me a screen where I've got some charts on there that I'll go on a YouTube clip for five minutes and I'll learn how to do technical analysis. Yeah. And there's this feeling that trading is not particularly a skilled activity. All I need to do is have the answers in front of me on the screen here and I'll make money. Um, 
it's it's almost a betting shop approach or a lottery ticket approach to trading. Whereas in actual fact, it's a, it's a highly skilled activity. Like you said, you you spent six to eight months on a desk struggling with FX. You know, I, 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 I you know I work with a lot of traders. I've been a trader myself. It takes years to become even half decent as a trader because you have to fully understand the markets, the price action, how you deal with that, risk management, all these crucial elements that are a key part of the skill of being a trader. And, and so many people are misled and fooled that there's a simple answer. And of course, technical analysis is one of the tools amongst many tools. Certainly, one of the things that I've learned about technical analysis over the years is actually, if I look, if I'm honest with myself, it's not so much that it gives me an edge in terms of knowing what's going to happen next, but it gives me forces of discipline on me to know if I've got the right or the wrong position, simply because the technical analysis is actually not, you know, either either confirming my the, my, my position or, or or advocating the opposite. And so I think, to your point, I think a lot of people think like a lot of things are easy. A lot of people think that you can go to university, get an MBA and, and run a large multinational corporation. A lot of people uh, think you can go to med school, uh, do your course and, and, and do frontal lobotomies. The truth of, the, of what we know in life is it's a lot more difficult than that. If the market was, uh, in a, it was such that anyone could just jump in it, load up a couple of simple tools and make money, uh, frankly, they'd probably shut it. <laughs> because I, I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that's possible. And, and the market itself continues to evolve. And one thing I've noticed over the years is as we've all become more technically proficient and, uh, and involved more and more um, complex models to, 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 to use in technical analysis, the markets themselves evolve to adapt. And it's a bit like the kind of Heisenberg uncertainty principle in physics. It's almost as if as soon as too many people start looking at something, they, they influence it by their, by their observed behavior. And, and that changes the outcome. So yeah, it is an it's a constant learning process, and I think the, the the if there's one thing I've learned over all these years of being involved in financial markets is as soon as you start thinking you absolutely know what's going to happen next, that's the moment you're about to lose a lot of money, and that you know what for me technical analysis has been able to absolutely highlight really you know to the extent I want to put a position on it'll highlight smart levels to try and put it put it on where where at least I have the risk reward in my favour it will shoot confirmed to me through subsequent price action that that decision was was well made and that I can potentially build on that position as I exceed or, or depending on whether I'm long or short uh, certain price targets and it's a it's a decision support tool not a solution not a holy grail and certainly not a view into the future it's just a way at a personal level for me the way I rationalize it it's a way for me to understand what everybody else is doing with their money and and, and trying to trying to interpret from that price action, uh, or lack of it in some cases, what that means about uh, investor behavior and where the next move is likely to come from and, and where the, 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 the attractive risk-reward probability trades are, both whether on the long or the short side. It's uh, an evolving, an evolving um, process. I'm sure that, as our audience can hear, you are someone with deep knowledge of trading markets and the processes which are part of the battle to succeed in those fields. And also you have extensive first-hand experience in the trenches. Um, I'd love to hear more about your journey in particular, the vital lessons you learned along that journey. But I'm also mindful that we are here to try and expand out the conversation about technical analysis and price action methods of analysis. Uh, and you have been involved as a board member of the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA, some time. Mark and I are aware of the STA's role in our own journey in developing this podcast, and they've been uh, very supportive as part of that. Uh, Mark, Mark, you want to say something? I see. Well, an STA has been very much part of our story and part of our drive. I mean, we, when, when we had the original uh, dinner with uh, Tom, Tom and Dan, you know, that was that was when we were framing the the concept of the of the podcast. Um, and it was sort of, you know, part and parcel of the STA sponsorship that that drove us to make sure that it was just super high quality, um, with something that wasn't out there, and that com combined the elements of of trading that 
not many people were talking about, certainly with the authenticity that you know, Steve and I would like 70 years of I mean, markets experience. We could come from this angle of having experienced it. Um, and, and if you look what's out there, there's not, there's nobody out there that's got 70 years of experience talking about the stuff we talk about. Uh, and so hence, it's getting the attention. And to have that in parallel with the STA getting the exposure uh, into these all potentially all these new areas, particularly around the retail side, I think it's just. And of course, there's even more discussions we're having about well, what can we do around further education and things? But super exciting. I've got a lovely line for you, by the way. Um, you know, people talk about uh, you know technical analysis is unproven, right? And you know, because the the scientists can never find a way to to measure it. You know what I mean? Like all those ridiculous studies. What's that Bank of England one, which is like. You, oh, you're a technical analyst. Where will cable be at the end of this year? <laughs> it's like, it's not, that's not the question I'm asking myself every day. I want to know where it's going to be in the next minute, right? But, but what I do think is interesting is if you ask any physicist in the world how gravity works, they will all tell you, without exception, that they don't know, right? It is a riddle, but nobody doubts that it works. Nobody doubts gravity has an effect on massive, massive bodies pulling them to the earth, right? And it's the same with technical analysis, right? It's like, okay, I, you know, depending on the framework of which you want to test this, you're going to find it, you're going to struggle to make this to prove that this works using your old scientific method. But if you speak to anybody who's been involved in this industry for any length of time whatsoever, they will tell you. I don't, you know, I don't care how it works. I just know I need to know about it. And it's a bit like gravity. I don't need to know how gravity works in order to make sure I don't fall over, right? And 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 I think I think that's I think it's this kind of it's in a way I think it's a hang up of of the old scientific method anchoring the way people think about things. It's as if I can't if I can't create a hypothesis, test it in a controlled environment, measure the outcomes, I can't prove that it's happening. Like cigarettes didn't kill you up until about 1979, right? When suddenly the data arrived to say that they did. Now they do, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I, yeah. I just I, I just throw Jim Simons back at them, and they yeah. say, "Well, you know." So well, his whole system is based off technical analysis, yeah. And he's the most successful trader of the last 30 years by a country mile. But if you listen to Jim Simons, he 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 tells you how it came from technical analysis. Uh, no, of course it is, yeah. You know, and then, um, you know, it, it, it is unbelievable, you know. It's, or you go back to, so well, what does fundamental analysis suggest? It's going to be, cable's going to be at the end of the year. And if you listen to the brilliant new podcast um, with Stanley Druckenmiller on what makes a great investor, um, which was on the uh, My First Million podcast, which is by The Hustle. And, and by the way, Go and check out this podcast. This is one of the best podcasts I think has ever been produced on a chat with a trader. And if you don't yet know who Stanley Druckenmiller is, he is he, he was um, Jurosaurus's sidekick. The guy's a multi-billionaire. Um, he's the guy who came up with the trade that broke the Bank of England. And, and he talks in that podcast and he says that, whilst he's mostly a macro guy, every single idea he has he checks against the technical picture. He looks at technical analysis. It's driven by the fundamental story and the fundamental narrative, but he looks at everything against the price action. Using technical analysis to double check his thesis, his ideas, the risk reward aspect. That is what really Adam was saying earlier, that technical analysis is an entire framework rather than just there to predict direction. But again, as I as I say that, I'm not normally one to plug other people's podcasts, although I'm a huge fan of many of them. Go and listen to this one on Apple or Spotify. Stanley Druckenmiller, and the podcast is called My First Million. Adam, coming back to the main point, um, we can't all be the truck, but I, I don't think that people's chances of actually succeeding in this industry are helped by the quality of trading and development. I'm not talking here about the retail space as much, but even in the industry, in trading firms, um, professional trading firms, virtually all training is still experiential and on desk. And whilst there is a lot to be said for that, it is that sort of activity. 
it, it reminds me still a lot of sport in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s where, you know, people just did their own thing and then turned up to play their games. Um, they would do the fitness, of course, in some meetings, but it was, you know, sporting development in a professional sense really started to take off in the 90s. Um, and started to gain traction has continued to ever since. And we've, I think that's with the professionalism, the grade of money that was in the industry. But I think trading is unique. And we've touched upon this in some previous podcasts. I think the other thing, which is, and it goes back to a point, you know, why was why is there such bad training in finance? And on one hand, it's A, because the bosses don't know how to implement it. And two, because the guys who've got the seats often aren't interested. I mean, some of the best traders I ever worked with were pretty monosyllabic when it came to you know what you know what do you think what, you know what, hi Clive what's going on nothing so you know have you got anything on yeah I'm long I'm long a thousand treasuries <laughs> you think it go, you think it's going up no I don't know <laughs> you know what I mean Adam yeah you are still probably even in 2021 maybe the only person who's ever got an economics degree who's sat on an FX desk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it was such a funny education. That I tell you, I remember. I remember. I went to Glyn and I said, "Glyn, take my limit away. I'm the worst trader the planet has ever seen." And he goes, oh, "I'm going to take it." He said, "I'm going to take your wet limit away for a week, and I'm going to have you doing dollar mark point and figure charts." And he literally talked me through that. And then within about four days, I was coming up to my. I need my limit back. I need my limit back. He goes, "Why?" And I said, "Look at this breaker." Uh, I love FX. I think it's just the purest form of trading. But ah, it's animal, uh, right? It, yeah, you you have to. You know, I, I I tell people I had a client who three years for about five years ago, I mm. worked with at a bank, and he was their best trader. Mm. And I said to him, I said, "You know, how do you trade FX then?" And he said, well, I arbitrage it. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, no, no one's arbitraged FX since computers came along. And he said, genuinely, I arbitrage it. So I said, well, tell me your method. He said, right, I'll look at dollar yen, euro yen, and, um, and euro dollar. I watch them all day. And I spot which two are going. And I leave them open and leave one open. And then I cover it with the other one. And I'm in and out all day long making money. Mm. And of course, he's not doing arbitrage, but he's doing pattern recognition. Yeah, just and he is brilliant at it. And I said, "Where did yeah. you learn this from?" You know, and it's because you know it's just intuition. Mm. But he's got so good at it. But I said, "Well, can't you just do it and go short dollar yen and then buy dollar yen back?" He said, "No, because it just doesn't work in the same way." <laughs> he never, you know, he, he has to be doing the three. And yeah. it's, it's it was incredible, and it was you couldn't explain it. Almost, you you really. If you were to try and scientifically explain that, you couldn't. No, yeah. Well, actually, yesterday yesterday was a really good example of that. Yesterday was a good example. The yen crosses were massively bid, right? So you've had this massive rally going on in all the yen crosses, so sterling yen rallying, euro yen rallying. And then, and, the, and then also you've got this backstory about the dollar, right? So, you know, yesterday was an example where, you know, the dollar was massively bid against the yen, but but massively offered against the euro and the pound. And it was this sort of intertwix between the two of them. And, you know, ultimately it was all about breaking through a level on euro yen and euro sterling that needed to happen before cable and euro could start to respond in the way that people, you know, the street, the, the, the people are positioned for it. So, so I, I do think the other the challenge you got with FX is it's, it's, you're, it's, you're competing, to, it's two asset classes against each other in the as opposed to cash versus ownership if you know what i mean in the context of yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not an asset it's, it's not an asset it's a relationship it's a relationship it's, exactly you know what i mean so so uh it, no i do find it amazing plus the fact nobody knows what's going on not even I, I, I love that as well you oh know, yeah there's a great book called by the arse off of bell i don't know if you've ever read it no um it's written by a guy he had him on we had him on the podcast last two years ago garth friesen who's uh -huh. uh, he's a ceo of triple i capital which is a $6 billion hedge fund based in Miami. Mm. And he he was invited, you know, just after the global financial crisis, the Fed set up this committee. So we need to know more what the traders are doing. Mm. So they, they created this committee that was going to meet every three months with, you know, Bill Gross, you know, significant players in the markets from mm. hedge funds, banks, asset management firms, pension funds, just to meet with the Fed and talk for a month. 
And he got invited to join the committee, I think, in 2012, around the time of the Greek crisis. <laughs> and he said, we literally had the biggest players in the markets sitting there. And we were talking about what they all thought was going to go on in the Greek crisis. And he said, until that point, I thought everyone, there was always people who knew what was going to go on. And it, <laughs> even the Fed around that table said, we have no idea what's going to happen. And, yeah. and you know, Alan Howard, no idea what's going to happen. And he said, not one of them knew. They were just sitting there going, well, this may happen, this may happen. And he said, he just opened his eyes that no one knows what is going to happen from one no. moment to the next. No matter how close you are, you might have a sense, and that's the best you can have. Yeah. Yeah. We will return to the podcast shortly. First, a quick word about our podcast sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. We are delighted to be able to promote their brilliant STA technical analysis home study course. Listeners to the Alphamon podcast interested in studying for the home study course can get an exclusive discount by visiting the Alphamon blog page where they can find a link to the home study course at the top of the page. Go to alphamonblog.blogspot.com or just Google Alphamon blog. Now back to this week's podcast. I would like to bring the conversation back to how people learn and develop and train as traders and how how bad education leads to so much underperformance at both the institutional organizational level and and the retail level and and how good education is such a vital tool in people's growth and development. And, and of course, we're, we're talking about this as a tool, aren't we? We're talking about it as a tool. And I think in, in real life, if one has a tool, if uh, one's not trained how to use it, one tends to use it incorrectly. Um, and so a tool is only valuable if you know how to use it. Mm. Um, and, and I think we assume that professionals do it, right? But my God, you know, the number of trading rooms I've walked through, been through, and you look at someone's screen, you think, what on earth have they put on that? Um, so even at the professional end, I'd say that you know there's a there's a lack of um, proper golden source trading that drives their that their what they think is their technical analysis sort of analysis. Um, and of course, if they're, if they're then you know using the tool incorrectly and then mm. building a model based upon the tool they're using incorrectly, the chances are their modeling is going to be wrong as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think. I think that's one of the, I have to say, the, the uh, STA's uh, exam program and education program is, is you know, world class. And I think part of the reason is it, it is incredibly comprehensive. They don't seek to you know, assign, a, you know, this is a, this, you know, you should always use MACD, you should never use RSI or whatever. But rather the, the, the momentum or the emphasis is, is on teaching a breadth of knowledge uh, to a high level so that people can then get a comprehensive assessment of all of the various techniques because what people will find as individuals you'll find certain techniques will resonate you with you some people find point and figure is a powerful approach for them other people find it doesn't work with them some people hate elliott wave some people consistently make lots of money using elliott wave and so on and so forth but i, I do think when when one is sort of learning the field the important thing is to you exactly to your point not grab some simple technique that seems to work and then just go and trade it but rather invest the time to get a breadth and a, and a quality of knowledge and to to allow you to 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 ultimately try all approaches and ultimately the ones that will work for you will be potentially different to the ones of, of your colleagues sitting right beside you but whatever whatever you find that fits and works for you um is going to be the one that's that's that, that, that you're going to be using and leaning on over the longer term i, I want to jump in there because you, you use the word invest um, we use the word an awful lot in these financial market um, theatres, whether it's uh, in an asset management firm, a hedge fund, a trading room, whether it's something, you know, we invest time, we invest energy into the job. Um, we invest all the time into positions and risks. But a lot of people, or very few people, invest in themselves and developing themselves and educating themselves. So this is why we're getting onto this trader's journey. It, it, it's, it's almost unique to this industry, how little people invest in. And I, I do get some of that, you know, that there's not an obvious um, go-to place for trading. Um, it's not something where you can just, um, there's no necessarily hard and fast rules there are some 
guidelines. But there is a lot you can do to make yourself better, to increase your odds. Um, you know, obviously, you're, you know that myself and Mark, both coach traders, we both work in that field. We've got clients who are corporations and investment banks and hedge funds. We've got clients who are individual retail traders, and some of them may be listening. Now, many years ago, I was approached by um, a hedge fund, the PM Hedge Fund in London, worked for a large, very large US-based firm. And he came to me and he said, listen, you know, I'm thinking about coaching. Um, um, I've never done any development work as such. I've worked at, just for want of a better word, he worked at a few of the large tier one investment banks and a another very large hedge fund. And in 15 years, he'd never spent a penny on his development and no one else had. And I, we discussed the coaching. I told him the cost of it. And he said, he'll go away and think about it. And um, he then called me a couple of weeks ago. He said, I wasn't going to do it because I thought it was a bit expensive. <laughs> um, but I spoke to my best friend in the US who happens to be a, a heart surgeon just wanted to run it past him to see what he thought. And his, his friend who's a heart surgeon said, well, how much do you invest in your development on an annual basis? And he went, I don't. And he went, yeah, but you must have done some. And he said, no, I've never. And he's like, wow, you're, you're literally trading billions of dollars a year of, <laughs> of instruments and you're, you, you're targeted with trying to make, you know, I think it's 15 to 20 million dollars and you're running all this capital and you're telling me that other than on the job you've never done any development work and you're questioning whether this is a good idea he said how much do you think as a heart surgeon each heart surgeon typically spends on their own continual professional development a year he had no clue so how much do you i got no idea he said i think i'd spend about thirty-five thousand dollars a year and that's probably average and that's forgetting the fact that I went through university, med school, everything. Uh, and he went, so he said, I can't believe you're even asking this question. Just go ahead and do it. And, and you know, it, it had a fantastic impact on him. And I know from feedback I've had on him many years later, in fact, I'm still working with him, uh, what that has done to his career as a trader. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily have the answers. I never profess to have the answers. I, I, I act more like a catalyst. So, Adam, one question I've got is, if you were starting now as a trader on your journey, knowing what you now know, what sort of learning and development would you explore, would you look to do to help develop yourself as a trader? That's a really interesting question, because um, that's something I've thought about a lot, actually. I think, firstly, I think, you know, having just a degree in economics, uh, as opposed to in uh, a, a more of a finance degree. I think that certainly would have been something that I would have wanted to, on reflection, would have would have benefited from. So, going and doing my uh, my my sort of uh, exams in that in the, in those in those areas. I think the other thing, frankly, I would have wanted, I should, I would have liked to have got involved in this technical analysis at a much earlier stage at university. I know the STA now teaches it at my old alma mater, the the LSE, and the, and I, and I think that's a great thing. In the in the 80s, when I was studying uh, uh, economics, things like technical analysis weren't weren't even on the um, on the curriculum. And I think probably the the third thing I would have got involved in, learned more about, much more much more sooner, would have been the whole behavioural finance side of things, because um, behavioural finance, as you know, very closely related to technical analysis, essentially looking at the way humans behave, and and clearly. In, in crowds that, that matters when it comes to financial markets and uh, I read recently uh, or a few years ago uh, James Montier's book on behavioral investing which um, is one of many great books on the topic and um, I just wish I'd found that, that that field a lot earlier because one of the things I learned and took away from my reading of behavioral investing is just how little both everybody else in the market actually knows about what's going to happen in the future and just how 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 bad Human beings are dealing with um, the pressures of uh, of stress and and, and, and uh, having to make this fast decisions in, in in stressful situations and how how very often our human biases are actually set up to make us bad traders. And the irony is 
that it, human beings are actually wired to be bad traders. We're wired to shut down the sort of cognitive part of our brain as soon as things get frightening because we need to move into a, a fight flight mode, um, which in financial, you know, if you're evading a, a grizzly bear is, is very useful. But if you're trying to navigate a, a, a fast market, you don't. You need your wits about you. You don't need to be in panic mode. And so I think I think I'll try to learn a lot more about finance, a lot more about behavioral finance, and certainly a lot more about technical analysis. Because I think together they would have provided me with a better skill set than just a, a, a kind of a, a university degree from 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 university. And similarly, I think I probably would have, on reflection, been better at finding good mentors within the dealing rooms that I worked in. I mean, I've been very lucky to have worked with some fantastic people. And who did teach me an awful lot. But there were lots of people who I probably could have spent more time with who were who were brilliant traders who 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 for some one reason or another I did I didn't and and I and I, I um regret that now because I think one of the benefits from groups like the STA um and indeed working in this industry you learn so much from actually talking to your peers and and your and your, your collaborators um more than you're able to going to learn in books. And so um, I think I, I should have had a op more open mind and, and a more open approach to uh, other fields of, of learning earlier on, because uh, maybe I would have saved myself an awful lot of hard knocks and, and not had to catch up, catch up with everybody else later. So those, I think, would have been the other things. And I think finally, the, the, the thing I, but this is more at a personal level, when I was given my first proprietary trading job in a bank in the 80s, I, I now on reflection, wish I'd bet the bank uh, more aggressively. <laughs> Um, because um, it seems to me that uh, those seats are very, very were certainly very much more valuable in those days when you had some far fewer limits, far fewer restrictions, and, and, a, and a far freer reign than than today's prop traders. And um, I think that was an opportunity missed to make a lot of money. But uh, I was too cautious, too conservative, and um, well, hopefully too professional to do that. But uh, those would be my regrets. And that's interesting where you, you talk about being too professional because it meant in a sense that you were you were you, you were very very conscious of what you were doing yeah and you know you you, you were probably I, I would say conscientious as well you know you, you weren't willing to do crazy risks and just roll the dice with somebody else's money no not not really my style <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, in a way, you were honest to yourself. That's kind of where I'm saying, yeah. which I think is a really important part of being a trader. I think you make you make a very good point, and it, it really comes comes back to like we were talking earlier on. It's the one of the things I have learned is that you need to know who you are before you mm -hmm. even try to 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 engage in any in any endeavor, because it's only when you understand who you know your own weaknesses and your own strengths that you understand what you need to work on and what you can rely on. Um, and I think that's actually very hard, particularly in a discipline like trading, where you are very often uh, challenging your emotional state, um, uh, forcing yourself to, to make decisions that perhaps don't seem to make sense, but they make sense based on the empirical evidence. They make sense on the price action. Um, and it's just your human emotions or your preconceptions that are anchoring you that are stopping you from being able to, to, to pull the trigger. So, yeah, I think um, I think. It's uh, going back to, you know, why is technical analysis powerful in a way? I think it's because it provides a framework within which to control one's emotions and to discipline one's trading. It provides a way to sift out the noise um, and force yourself to be much more objective and aligned with the key objective, which is it's not about being right. It's about making money with your positions, because fundamentally, that's the only thing that gets measured. So, so it's a tool in so many different ways and, and everyone else is coming into it thinking it's a prediction tool. And you've now come out and said it's a decision-making tool, it provides a framework, it provides a structure. And, and this is the part that so many people don't realise and forget. Yes, absolutely. I mean, do you take a simple technique, something like a moving average. It's very easy to pull up a chart and plot a moving average on it. And if you get the moving average right, you can probably find a moving average that is pretty consistently accurate, um, certainly during a trending environment. 
and it's very tempting then to say, all right, well, that's great. So, you know, and a cable responds to, and don't quote me on this, but, you know, for example, just a number, the 39-day moving average. I'm not suggesting it does, but let's imagine that, that that's, that's what we found. You know, A, does that mean it's always going to, to, to work with that particular moving average? No, it doesn't. And, 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 and as soon as you start taking excessive bets based purely on that one piece of data, very quickly... Um, yeah, the market will teach you you're wrong, in my experience. I think the um, the overall philosophy of you know why AlphaMinders suddenly you know a, a, a partner to some extent with the STA is is because I think we're all starting to realise, and the market's only really starting to wake up to that now. But it is about you know you and your awareness and your behavior and your decision-making process and your ego and as well as the signal um and all those things are going to kind of all be optimal you know if you, if you walk into analyzing you know technical analysis with a stress mind you're you're going to be you know blind to a lot of stuff and of course with technicals it's the opportunity i've always found has been in the sort of the areas that are slightly left field, that are slightly murky, that are slightly perhaps more complex, uh, where perhaps other people just don't look, um, particularly some of the spread relationships. Um, you know, to certainly take some effort to take yourself there. Um, you, you'd need to be in this sort of accepting mindset to, to be able to you know, venture into areas to look for new opportunity. Um, so I think yeah, what, what you're saying there is, is absolutely spot on. It seems as though the world's only just starting to now realise that this is an aspect of trading, the sort of the weaponising of the mind and all the behaviours that go with it, that's now really, really important and is where you know people's edge actually is. Yeah. It's, what I find particularly amusing is the way the street has embraced technical analysis in two forms. There's almost like two types. There's guys like you and me who are very happy to just simply... Uh, learn an approach that is, you know, uh, used by by professionals, and is seen to be effective uh, on, on many occasions if used in, in a disciplined fashion. And then there is the other, the kind of the old school who always had this issue with technical analysis because they've got to hang up with the efficient market hypothesis. But instead of actually admitting they're wrong, now they talk about momentum trading. So they don't like technical analysis, but they're very happy to do mo trades. If a mo, a mo trade is simply finding a trend and getting on it, right? That's technical analysis. It's just being wrapped in a different in a different name to make it more palatable. Um, even the FT, I remember reading an article talking was talking about the fact that the FT is famously negative on technical analysis episodically. But uh, they had a full full pull out article in one of their newspapers several years ago, which is talking about why momentum trading made so much more sense and why it was so much more effective. And it it did make me smile. The way uh, the way that that's happening. Similarly, you know, there is a you know a lot of academics will still you know spout uh, efficient market hypothesis. But actually, if you go into a professional dealing room, or indeed a professional hedge fund or asset manager, and look at what uh, people and analysts are actually looking at, uh, it, it's going to be two things: it's going to be fundamentals of businesses and economies, and it's going to be the technicals of the markets in which they impact. And and those. Those those are the those are the inputs that uh, the industry uses, and um, and for many years I think technical analysis was a bit of a secret tool amongst professionals. Now at least it's becoming much more accessible uh, through computerization, through education, through groups like the STA, um, and retail investors are picking it up because ironically, retail investors can have as good an edge using technical analysis as the biggest asset managers and, and fund managers and banks in the world because. Fundamentally, they're dealing with the same raw input. They get the same price data. They have computers that can process it. Um, and if they have the skill to be able to interpret that data, uh, they can use it just as effectively in real time in the same way that uh, a huge investment bank could, could, could do so. So, um, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's a very exciting time to be an investor right now. I think there's a lot of wonderful tools out there. Um, I think technical analysis, uh, certainly for liquid markets, is an essential tool in my experience and my view. It is not the only tool, but um, it, to, to operate without a knowledge of it and a solid knowledge of it, not a, not a cursory knowledge of it, um, I think is, if anything, reckless uh, if one's looking to operate in financial markets today.
Yeah, and I think it comes back to this point of just having a broad base of knowledge. You know, if you're serious about doing trading, if you're serious about getting into this industry, if you're serious about managing other people's money, you need this broad depth, you know, understanding the drivers of the market, the market fundamentals, understanding how sentiment moves markets, which is where we're starting getting closer to technical analysis and understanding how you can use that in lots of different ways in your work, not just as a prediction tool, um, well, like you said, a risk management tool, decision-making tool, lots of different ways that can wrap a framework around what you do. And this is what I think a lot of the best traders, you know, I think if I go back to my time in the 90s, technical analysis felt like my own dirty little secret. <laughs> Yeah, and I always remember when I was working at Credit Suisse, and I think that's where we first met Adam, if, I, mm. if I'm not, not corrected. Um, but even before they moved to Canary Wolf, I mean, that's how long ago we're going. Um, I remember the bear market in 1994 in, in fixed income. Um, the, whilst all the traders were loading up, buying bonds, for a huge move, almost as many as they could handle and, and you know, sort of buying call options on bonds, etc. Our technical analyst came over to me and just said, I just can't understand why they're buying up here. The, you know, the, the charts are signaling something really ugly going on up here and you should be looking to get the other way. And I actually took on board what she said. Um, because no one else was listening at the time. It was sort of, you know, in a sense, I think she was using sentiment in that occasion to say this is just a very high risk area to be buying bonds at the moment, looking at the price action. Is that Fran Skelly? No, that was before Fran Skelly. Uh, Carol Harmon. Oh, yes. She's a brilliant technical analyst. Yes. She was. She was incredible. And she, she almost predicted to the the point, the pinpoint accuracy how far it was going to move, how many big figures it was going to move, and, and how many months it was going to move for. She was that good. Uh, France, France, France joined shortly after that, of course, and she was an incredible technical analysis and a great loss mm. um, to many of us in New mm. Um But, you know, Credit Suisse almost put a big, you know, they didn't do that much at the time, but they put a big score after that on technical analysis and using it correctly, not just using it as a prediction tool, but seeing its value beyond that. No, I think Credit Suisse is a good example. Um, that's a firm that has it, it wholeheartedly embraced technical analysis within its research function. Um, Fran Skelly was actually the, the woman who got me both into the STA and uh, into Credit Suisse, uh, ironically, some years later. But uh, and, uh, and right. I have huge respect for her, both as a person and as, as a technician. But as importantly, what she also did and the team, the broader team at Credit Suisse did is to fully integrate technicals amongst the whole research function um, to a point now where it, it, it's seamless and they all work in the same in the same group, the fundamentalists and the technicians. And, uh, and they do an excellent job. Uh, and I think I think um, it's a it's a model that's been uh, other firms have tried to copy and some have done it successfully. Yeah. So I'm conscious of the time and we, we need to start. Mm sort of wrapping this up but you know I, I think we, we've been talking today about this how technical analysis fits in Ra rather than a broader discussion about technical analysis you know this is really about how it fits in with how people can learn grow develop improve mm. their work as as traders and investors mm. as well um so so i guess you know Perhaps, I know Mark's going to wrap up in a minute, but where can they find more about the Society of Technical Analysts? Okay, so the SDA itself has a, a fabulous website, um, which, you, which you can find very quickly on Google. And um, they, on that website, they have a whole load of information around the UK Society. And they also have links to IFTA um, and all the other uh, societies around the world that are that are part of the IFTA Federation. Um, and uh, so they can they can access uh, more information there. My advice to anybody who is serious about um, either investing personally um, or indeed working as a professional investor would certainly be to to, to join the SDA because I think it's you know not only is it one of the, the, the largest and most well regarded 
but also it has a comprehensive uh, uh, structure that, that really makes it a lot easier for people to, A, get a very good high quality education, uh, which is which is broad based and 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 uh, and highly uh, uh, highly curated so to the extent that it uh, it is it's very much a best of breed as it were but in addition to to that to that education they also will probably learn as much through the monthly meetings coming and meeting other people at the SDA other traders the networking effects that they will they will create by joining a group like that um and also, obviously, the, the publications that, that are created by the SDA and the other member societies of, the, of, of IFTA around the world. And then, frankly, not least, going back to an earlier point you made, I think as a member of the STA, you get access to the world's largest collection of books on technical analysis, um, which is quite formidable and available for, 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 for STA members to borrow. Um, and there are some amazing books in that library, some very old ones, which are which are highly protected because they're getting rather frail, but also some, you know, brand new ones that are very much sort of bleeding edge. So, you know, a combination of formal education, networking, peer group conversations, monthly meetings, um, and the library, you just in that, in that alone, you have a huge resource. Um, and over and above that, obviously, um, it's the conversations and the leads that you, you develop through talking to, to fellow members who will be from a range of fields uh, and, and, and up and down the industry. And so I, I would definitely encourage anybody who's interested in doing that to, to, to do that. Not least, I don't think it will guarantee that you make money, but it will certainly guarantee you're in a much better position to, to preserve capital and, and will give you the greatest opportunity to, 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 to learn the skill um, and certainly technical analysis from the right sort of people. Well, look, um, Adam, so, so much shared there, and I... Yeah, you know, it's a, such a significant call. It's a tool. It's it's a delight to to learn. I mean, for me, when I was on the trading floor in the early '80s, it was the way that I had a view. And actually, when you're in the market, having an ability to find a view and apply it to anything that's moving, you know, it becomes a significant strength. And of course, opportunities from a trading perspective arise from that. And so, yeah, you know, I think we're super proud as uh, Alpha Mind to be. Uh, um, you know, links with the Society of Technical Analysts and of course their website www.technicalanalysts.com um, is the place to find uh, all and sundry about their various courses um, I think the message is that you know join it you know, learn appropriately learn from the golden source and click into a professional network uh, you know from people that are thought leaders in the space global leaders in the space um, Super important. The the home study course um, we've spoken about within the uh, the framework of Alpha Mind. Of course, you, you can get a discount uh, with a code Alpha R twenty. We'll give you a discount, and uh, we're very happy to uh, promote it as uh, so worthwhile. And I think Adam, I think we, we've got to thank you really for your stewardship o- over the years of obviously writing the FTA in its early form. And uh, obviously moving on with the IFTA as well, and it's you know professional facing um, range of services. So absolute pleasure, Adam. Thank you very much. It's been uh, I've enjoyed the call a lot. Thank you for listening to this week's Alpha Mind podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast or any of our past podcasts, we would be delighted if you could rate the podcast on whichever service you use or even better, leave a review. Thank you also to our podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STI. You can go to technicalanalysts.com to find out more about their services and to explore becoming a member of the STI. As a reminder, at Alpha Mind, we focus on trader and investor personal growth and development. We offer coaching programs which are geared towards developing the key human personal and behavioral skills that are so vital in helping people grow their performance and take their trading or investing to a higher level. Our clients come from a range of backgrounds from across the world. These include leading portfolio managers working in some of the world's largest hedge funds, asset management firms and sovereign wealth funds. We also work with investment banks and some of the world's largest commodity and energy trading businesses. 
Our clients also come from a myriad of other backgrounds, including family offices, proprietary trading firms, as well as many serious private retail traders. In addition to trade and investor coaching, our services extend to executive, leadership and team coaching with a specialist focus on financial markets, investment and risk businesses. To know more about our services, visit our webpage alpha-mind.net or email us info at alpha-mind.net or visit the Alpha Mind blog page for more contact information. If you would like to sign up for our regular newsletter, you can do so on the page link at the top of the Alpha Mind blog and you can also listen to our podcast on our new Alpha Mind YouTube channel. Finally, you can follow us and connect with us on social media. We are active on LinkedIn in our own names, Stephen Goldstein and Mark Randall, or through the Alpha Mind group on LinkedIn, which has over 15,000 members. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handles are AlphaMind101 and AlphaMind102. We wish you well, stay safe and have a great week.